Hey folks, how the hell are ya? I'm Houston. And I'm Kaylin. And you're listening to Crime or Reason. How are you today, Houston? Kaylin, you know exactly how I'm doing today. Today has been bullshit. Well, you know what? We're going to make it better. (laughs) We're going to try. We hope that you guys are having a better day than we have started out having so far. It has been a pretty bullshit day. It has most definitely been. We have been working with audio troubles and just like system breakdowns, it feels like, all morning long. I got here super early. I was here before nine o'clock. Here we are finally recording at one in the afternoon. But we got it figured out. So it's it's hopefully going to sound a lot better for everybody all around. We finally made it here. It was a long time coming, but we came, we saw, we hit them right there in the jaw. And then we went. However that song goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so we got it all figured out and hopefully this is uh, going to be a lot better of a setup for you all. Hopefully we sound a lot better and you guys are going to love it. Yep, yep. Um, Just a couple of things. We have short news. It's really quick. I'm not going to take long. So we've got spooky season. Spooky. We are pumping out an astronomical level of content between me and Kaylin and all of her podcasts. She'll be actually premiering her podcast. Yes. So, and then I'll be pumping out episodes for Drunk With Horror and then... We are doing three episodes a week. And we're super pumped to be pumping out three episodes a week for you all. We are. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's just so much content coming out for the month of October, literally starting on October 1st. October 1st is the first extra episode that you're getting because it's going to be on a Saturday. And so we will actually be releasing on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. All the way through, followed by a massive, awesome episode on Halloween. Like a Halloween extravaganza, if you will. So Love that. We're incredibly, incredibly excited about that. You know what else we have to talk about, Houston? I think I do know what else we have to talk about. We have a Patreon! Woot! Um, yeah, so we do have a Patreon started. We're incredibly excited to get that started and just, you know, to interact with you guys in more personal ways. It's going to be a lot more personal, a lot more intimate over there. We're incredibly excited. You guys are going to be getting bonus episodes over there. You guys are going to be getting behind the scenes and you guys are going to get like a mini show, if you will, like a a new show kind of over there. Got that good, good special content. Yes, so um, definitely get over there and check that out, especially if you like cults, because our mini show is going to be cult crimes. There uh, are also some fun discounts for yep. some merch. Yes, yes. Um, certain tiers have discounts and um, just, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. There's a, there's a lot of stuff over there, so you can actually go and check it out, patreon.com forward slash crime or reason check out the three tiers we've got a three dollar tier an eight dollar tier and a fifteen dollar tier from the haunted basement tier to the crew trying tier mm-hmm. and finally the criminal tier so definitely go check it out and just in advance thank you so much 
for the support over there. And thank you for all the support that you've given us so far. Yes, we are all, very, very thankful. All around. We are so very thankful for all the love and support you all have given us. We love you guys so much. And we would not be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Other than that, we don't really have anything as far as news goes. Um, I do want to just talk real quick about something really sad that happened. One of my favorite drag queens recently passed away, and it was so, so sad. My friend Lexi messaged me and was like, have you seen this news? I've literally been sobbing at work. And then I looked, and Miss Cherry Valentine from Drag Race UK passed away. What a sad, sad day. Yeah, Kaylin isn't... Too much into the drag world, but you can bet your ass that literally all morning today, I was just like, look at her. Yes. We were having and like- And she's beautiful. She was, and, and fantastic, and did so much for like mental health. Yes. But <laughs> George Ward, who was Cherry Valentine, was a uh, a wonderful mental health nurse who yes. was a big advocate for that. And the world got a little bit darker the day that she passed, and- we're all going to miss her, and I know that there's a lot of people who are fans of the series that are going to miss her, too. So, rest in peace, babe. We love you, and uh, thank you for shining as bright as you did while you were here. What a beautiful tribute. You're the sweetest. She was the sweetest. Other so, than that, we um, I was going to say that's enough of the sad. I've brought on something that I said I will never do. Children? Yes. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Why is it always fucking jelly? <laughs> Can okay. it not be jam for once? I uh, love a fucking strawberry jam. Strawberry cake. jam is the best con. It honestly. But why the fuck are we no even jelly. like still fucking around with grape? <laughs> like why? Fuck grape. Who is she? I don't know her. I don't know her. But jam, what a woman. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's go. I'm ready to hear it. Yes. Today I am doing the case of James Patrick Bulger, and it is very sad. James Bulger was born on March 12, 1990. He was born to Denise and Ralph Bulger in Kirby, England. So we are over overseas here. Over the pond. Over the pond, yes. This little boy had big blue eyes and light brown hair, and his family said he was a very happy-go-lucky child, and he was always smiling. Denise, his mother, at age 25, was very, very protective over James because she had had a miscarriage where her daughter was stillborn, before he arrived. So it's, she was already very protective over this baby. On a shopping trip just before James's third birthday, the family would suffer a loss that no one should ever have to go through. It was February 12th, 1993. That's my grandfather's birthday. Aww, cute. And both Denise and her son were at the Bootle Strand Shopping Center and she was finishing up her shopping at Artemis Butcher Shop. As she was placing her order, she became distracted, and she took her eyes off James for just a single moment, and that's all it took for him to disappear. Denise rushes outside looking for him as her very absolute worst nightmare has come true, because remember, she's very, very protective over him. Right. The security at the shopping center failed to locate him, and so they called the police, and she described to them that James was wearing a blue anorak. He had on silver tracksuit bottoms with mustard-colored lining and some white trainers. This sounds like it came straight out of the 90s, this little outfit. 100%. By 5.30, when James hadn't been found, the shopping center has, starts to close down, and a missing child search begins in Boodle, Liverpool. So by Friday night, which is 
the day we were on, is Friday, there was still no sign of James. So the police worked through the entire night at both the Strand Shopping Center and all around, searching through the CCTV footage to see if they could find him. They do end up finding a video of James leaving the butcher shop with Denise following shortly after in a panic. And as they track his movements through the shopping center, they learn that James had made it to the top floor and he appeared to be following two boys. One of those two boys is holding his hand as they all head towards the exit in the direction of Leeds-Liverpool Canal. By Valentine's Day, which fell on a Sunday, so we've got three days here, the police and the family had tried whatever they could to find him. They had sent out patrol cars, they had held press conferences that had been used to try and get the two boys from that shopping mall to come forward. So one of the CCTV images was released to the media and when James's father, Ralph, saw the footage where the two boys were leading his son away, he said he was relieved. He said, I looked at Denise and smiled with relief. He's gonna be all right, Denise. He's with two young kids. He's gonna be all right. A manhunt has been underway where they've checked all the nearby canals, they've checked the wasteland areas. All hope comes to an end, though, for the family. After a young boy rushes into the Walton police station saying that there was a body found on the railway tracks just 150 yards behind the police station. The police discover something that is so horrifying that no one could have ever conjured what had happened to this sweet blue-eyed boy. The little boys named John Venables and Robert Thompson, were the ones that were seen with James leaving the mall that day. And I say boys because they are both just 10 years old. After skipping school on the 12th, these two wandered from shop to shop at that Strand shopping center. They were stealing anything they could, then tossing the stolen goods down the escalators just for funsies just to be little tyrants. The boys had also attempted to abduct another person. The two boys were in a store called TJ Hughes, where a woman noticed that they were trying to get her kids' attention. Just a few moments later, the woman noticed both her children were missing. She quickly found her daughter, however, she couldn't find her two-year-old son. When she asked her daughter where her brother had went, she replied, gone outside with the boy. The woman ran outside and she found the two boys beckoning for her son to come with them. When they saw his mother, they told him to go back with her and then they vanished. After this abduction attempt, the two boys were loitering at a snack kiosk, hoping to steal some candy when they saw James. Where the fuck are these kids' parents? Accurate. I have no clue. I don't understand how this all began. Why were they skipping school? Went to, found themselves at a mall. Which also too, maybe the parents didn't know. The two boys saw James by the door of this butcher shop. They beckoned to him and Venables took him by the hand and they took off with him. Some shoppers say that they remember noticing the three boys, but assume that they may have been related. The boys were seen leaving the center around 3.42 p.m. Shortly after they left, James began crying for his mother and the boys completely ignored him and led him down to a secluded area near a canal. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you all a big trigger warning. At this canal, they dropped James on his head and they left him on the ground crying. There was a witness named Malcolm Walton that said he saw the boys and James near the Leeds and the Liverpool Canal, where the small child looked like he was in a distressed state. And then another person named Irene Hitman said she was walking her dog and saw the same boy around 4.40 p.m., which is an hour later. And she said that he looked frightened and said he had large lumps on his head. She said she told them to take the boy home, but she 
really didn't know their intentions. The boys wandered around Liverpool. They were wandering past shops and parking lots and buildings. And while here, one of the witnesses said they saw Thompson, the other boy, kick James in the ribs for resisting him. Jesus. So around 38 witnesses saw the boys with James. However, each were convinced in a different way that the boy wasn't in any harm's way. So the boys would say, um, oh, he's just my little brother. Or they would say, we just found him down the hill. And the person who they said that to told him to take him home or to the police station saying he was like a lost boy. No, 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 no. No. If you are an adult and you see two 10 year olds mm -hmm. walking a literal like toddler and they're like, oh, no, he's just he's just lost. Do not say take him home, take him to the police. You are yeah. an adult in that situation. You take him home, take him to the right. police. And while you're at it, also get those boys home because right. that's not how you handle that situation. Yeah. And now, mind you, these the little baby had bumps and lumps on his head and scratches. He had already been dropped down yeah. in the canal. So he looked rough. Still, they couldn't have assumed that these two boys were going to do what they did. So eventually, the two ended up in Walton. Well, the three boys ended up in Walton just across the street from the Walton Lane police station. They hesitated, but they made the decision to continue to lead James up the steep bank to a railway near where the old railway station was. This attack occurred sometime between 5.45 and 6.30, so we've covered a span of four hours almost now. Repeat trigger warning, because this is rough. So if it's not for you, go on and skip ahead here. Like I said, the attack was around 5.45 to 6.30. One of the boys threw blue Humbrol modeling paint that they had shoplifted earlier into his left eye. They kicked him, stomped on him, and they threw bricks and stones at him. They placed batteries in his mouth, and in some sources I found that they possibly inserted batteries into his anus. However, none were found there, so... It could have just been like a rumor, but right. But awful. I mean, even the even the like that part aside, it's awful. just to the extent like what possesses ten year olds to be like. It's like, it's like I understand that kids are rough and mm -hmm. they're wild and like, but this isn't like a doll. This isn't like your sister's no. baby doll. Like right. you are, you've got to know. I just I can't wrap my mind around it. And on top of that, it's like the psychology of like children. So mm -hmm. like I. Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. Now, finally, the boys ended up dropping a 22-pound, which is 10 kilograms there, railway fish plate on James. Now, he sustained 10 skull fractures as a result of the bar striking his head. The pathologist stated that Bulger suffered so many injuries, 42 in total, to his face, head, and body that none could be identified as the fatal blow. Thompson and Venables laid James across the railway tracks and they weighed his head down with rubble in hopes that a train would hit him and his death would look like an accident. They got to the point that they, that first off, it's obviously premeditated. They were out looking for somebody, mm -hmm. but these 10 year olds decided, hey, if we do all this on a railroad track, a train will hit them and it will look like an accident. Yes. Yes. And huge, huge trigger warning here. After the boys left, a train would hit James, and it cut his body in half. Oh, God. 
That's so gruesome. Ugh, my heart is like dropping. I can't like um. This is awful for me to talk right. about. Right? Yeah. No. If, like and like just like you said last week. Whenever we're reading it and typing it, it's so different than whenever we're actually talking about it. Yeah. Like having to say it out loud, it mm -hmm. just it makes it like it's already real researching it, mm -hmm. but like the reality really sets in when you have to like discuss it with somebody else. Yeah. It's always harder to get words out than to just see them. Yeah. So. Now, the police suspected that the boys had sexually assaulted James because his shoes, socks, pants, and underwear had been removed. The pathologist's report also said that his foreskin had been forcibly pulled back. What the fuck was actually wrong with these kids? I really don't know. It's awful. Awful, awful. What I'm they like, did. Ill. Like, that's, that's like nauseating. Mm -hmm. It's one of probably the worst cases I've read so far. Now, this leads us up to Valentine's Day when the group of boys found... There, it was a group of boys that found it, but one went to the police station. Oh, that that's rough, too. Yeah, young boys who found his mutilated body. And the one boy, like I said, went and told the police. The multiple things that these boys used to cause injury were strewn about the scene. The iron bar, stones, and bricks all covered in James's blood. The police saw the evidence and presumed that the two boys were likely the murderers because of the fact that they had stolen all this, like, they had stolen the paint, specifically, like, things were missing. Now, That's another thing, too. They'd been shoplifting all day. Mm -hmm. They had all these things. A lot of that they had with them. Mm -hmm. So these kids had been shoplifting. Ten-year-olds. They were getting away with it. Throwing it down the escalators. Still getting away with that somehow. Yep. They were able to coerce kids twice. Mm -hmm. One they actually got away with. They were even able to take some of the stuff that they shoplifted with them on this trip mm -hmm. for them to then use in the crime. Under what circumstances were these 10-year-olds able to do all of this without a single person of, like, authority stopping them? I guess they were just really convincing. When they were talking to people, they were just... Really convincing about throwing shit down an escalator. That that one I don't know. I guess they like the that's the thing. Like it's like, more oh, for the mall. Just boys. Yeah, it's it's more from like the mall standpoint. Like I'm confused how they got so how they were like able to get away with so much at the mall. Right, like and, there was security. Like I talked about the security. They're, yeah, like where are they? And I'm not like blaming the mom that her kid was her kid was drawn away. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. How are these kids able to do so much of that and just not a single time security or a store like associate from anywhere just be like, yo. Right. We've been and we've gone through an entire day's worth of, of events here. Like it's gone from morning when they started skipping school to we're at five or six at night. And were the parents not called when they skipped school? I know you don't you don't have much on the parents, but mm -hmm. I've just got a lot of questions about how two 10 year olds were able to have this type of timeline to end with what they committed we'll talk about it like i said they presume that the two boys were likely the murderers because they had seen all of the stuff on the scene so they checked the nearby schools for absentee lists for the day of the disappearance which actually caused many children to be id'd as possible killers and some of the parents even reported their own children so ultimately it was actually an anonymous phone call to the police that did finally id the killers as john venables and robert thompson the caller told the police that the boys were both absent and that they had seen blue paint on the sleeve of venables jacket the police actually were not convinced at first that 
these boys were the ones on the CCTV footage. They said the boys on that footage looked around 13 or 14, not 10. Oh. Yeah, so they thought they were older. They thought they were teens. There was actually another boy who got arrested beforehand, but once they got that call from the anonymous caller saying that she had recognized the two boys, they went in for the arrest of Venables and Thompson. When the boys are picked up, it's noticed that Thompson's house is actually fairly close to the murder scene. They were picked up on Thursday, February 18th, and the arresting officers started the interview process. Now, Thompson was taken to the Walton Lane Police Station, and Venables was sent to the Liverpool's Lower Lane Police Station. They took samples of both the boys' blood, hair, and the fingernails. This was all actually super brand new for these police stations because no one had ever interviewed child murder suspects before. So they ended up having to go through rigorous questioning to make sure the boys understood the implications of telling lies versus the truth and knowing the differences between right from wrong. And the boys both actually passed and continued on to the next phase of the investigation. So they verified the consciousness of these boys of right from wrong. I mean, obviously that's like probable, you know, especially like at that age. They've got to know. They've got to know at that age. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But again, we don't know what their home life is like yet. So right. so it did say that they both came from, from pretty um, rough homes and like things weren't so great. Now, both of the boys in the investigation have their mothers present along with legal representation, but they are both dealing with the police questioning very differently. Venables is extremely hysterical and scared of the investigators. He talks about how fearful he is of going to prison. Thompson is able to keep control of himself and he stays very composed throughout the whole process. How do you have that kind of composure as a 10-year-old? As a 10-year-old, I don't know. I wouldn't have that kind of composure now. Listen, they could they enough. they could have questioned me about a crime that I knew 154% mm-hmm. I did not commit and I would still be acting have, a hot fucking mess. My whole heart would be racing out of my chest, yeah. Now, Thompson is keeping control. Venables actually reveals that he was in the area the day of the murder on that day that James disappeared. He fails to mention that he went to the Strand Shopping Center. Thompson reveals that they were both at the shopping center and describes in detail what James was wearing, which shocks the police because how else would he know that? So it's a huge slip up for Thompson because that reveals that he had been with the boy for quite a long time. Investigation is very complicated because both the boys are blaming each other for things and they're doing their best to hide the truth. And their stories end up changing over the two days worth of questioning. And Venables asks if you can get fingerprints off of skin and that's when the breakthrough happens. He was freaking out because he was saying, oh no, they can get my fingerprints off of this boy. When Thompson actually starts talking about James, his anxiety causes his leg to shuffle. Finally, by Friday, February 19th, Thompson admits to taking James down by the railway. There's actually an eerie, eerie moment that really unnerved the officers when Thompson actually imitates James wailing for his mother. Now, near 1 p.m., Venables actually finally breaks down and he confesses to being involved in the murder to his parents while the police were out of the room, but they were still listening. With this, they start to interrogate Thompson, and he refuses to admit his guilt, but the police actually feel like they have enough evidence to convict both of the boys. Saturday, February 20th, the boys are both charged with the abduction and the murder of James Folger. 
Now, this leads us up to the trial, which actually was pretty quick. They appeared in court on February 22nd, 1993, which was at South Sefton Magistrates Court in Boodle to face their charges. They both plead not guilty here. And as the van leaves that day, a crowd of 300 people who had gathered outside the court actually break into a riot. The vans that were that they thought they had been sent out in were actually decoys. They could not have, like, imagined what would have happened if the boys were actually in those vans and they had actually gotten hold of them because there was some possible vigilante justice here. Like, people were outraged. Right, which, like, understandable, obviously, but also to, like, their their children, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day. They're obviously fucked up children, but... Right, still. Yeah. Now, because of this outrage, the trial was actually relocated to Preston, and it actually doesn't begin until November 1st at this court. Now, it's called the Preston Crown Court. Both the defendants have to have a special platform to allow them to see over the railings because they're so They're literally children. At this point, Denise had actually become pregnant with another baby, but she absolutely refused to come to court. She was fully determined that she would never, ever sit in the same vicinity as James's killers. To this day, she's still unaware of some of the details of the case. I think, depending on the person, that's probably fair. And I think that was definitely what would have been best for her. Mm -hmm. 38 people that I talked about earlier, they were all witnesses that were called to the stand that each of the boys had encountered the day of the murder. Each were showing some extreme remorse for not intervening. So they were feeling so very bad for not actually getting themselves involved in helping this boy get some adult interference. Now, the home office forensic scientist named Graham Jackson actually revealed that blood samples from one of the boys' shoes matched James, and there was a one in a billion chance of it being an error. There was another forensic scientist who came to the stand and he was able to match the bruising on James's right cheek to the features of the upper part of a shoe worn by the other boy. Light blue paint marks had been discovered on James, James's anorak, like his hoodie, um, his hair, shoes, and his underpants all had the light blue paint on it. They found that same blue paint on both of those boys' clothing. Now, after three weeks of hearing evidence, the jury was asked to deliver their verdict. On November 24th, 1993, the jury took six hours to deliberate and they found both Thompson and Venables guilty. I imagine so. The boys were actually sentenced to carry out their Tom at Her Majesty's pleasure for a minimum of eight years. The Judge Justice Borland said, Robert Thompson and John Venables, the killing of James Bulger was an act of unparalleled evil and barbarity. At the time the boys were actually able to get out, they would be 18. Then they would be assessed, and if they weren't deemed to be a danger to society, they would actually be released. That's a weird line that I'm on, because it almost seems like reintroduction into society is possible for that situation. Right, right. Because, like, but there's something about, like, when a kid becomes a teenager that you start seeing the solidification of their personality and, like, how they're going to be morally and as a person. Right. That... I just don't feel like you see at the age of, like, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, yeah. that young, young mind still is shaping and growing. And I think that it could be shaped. And I think that with extensive 
extensive therapy and work and that rehabilitation correct i think that they can be reintegr- reintegrated into society so i am not going to say whether or not these kids should have been re-entered into society once they became adults right away or whether they should have stayed locked up the whole time that is not something that i'm going to say well thank you for the segue because they actually served their time very quietly and without any incident and therefore in 2001 after the eight years both the boys were actually released they're both now men and they were given new identities and granted legal anonymity for life due to the public fury that surrounded the trial and the fear that the citizens would actually hunt them down and take vengeance. Now, in 2004, three years later, Denise was actually able to locate Thompson. However, she was completely paralyzed with hatred and she couldn't confront him. Thompson seemed to have merged back into society and continued on with a pretty quiet life. However, the same could not be said about Venables. 2010, he was actually in prison for downloading and distributing images depicting child pornography. So he was eligible for parole in 2013 when Ralph Bulger actually told the parole board that he couldn't forgive his son's killer and that he should actually never be released. Despite this, he actually was released and then ended up imprisoned again in 2017 when more child abuse images and a pedophile manual that provided instructions on having sex with kids was discovered on his computer see that's what's so crazy that this is what's happening Mm -hmm. when we were talking about it it sounded as if venable was the one that had some sort of remorse and some sort of morality Mm -hmm. and that thomas was like the sociopath completely controlled and yeah it was was wild in the police investigation yeah we're seeing like a switch but honestly a lot of what's happening now could have been um upwards trauma Mm -hmm. from having to deal with it and i'm not saying like he had to go through this he had to set like there was obviously trauma after he committed the heinous crime that he did that doesn't like i'm not sympathizing with him Mm -hmm. but what i'm saying is is due to everything that he went through afterwards yeah right i mean you know it makes sense that he would have turned out this way yeah yeah After they discovered all of this, he was sentenced to three years and four months. February 18th of 2018, the Daily Star reported that Venables had been attacked in prison with boiling water after an inmate discovered his identity. A month after the boys were found guilty, Denise actually gave birth to a baby boy and named him Michael James Bulger. Which, this became the reason for these parents to continue living. After their world was turned upside down, it wrecked their marriage and it sadly fell apart. I imagine so. You see that Mm -hmm. kind of a lot with the death of a child or the death of a a couple children, you know. I think that that's, you know, probably what happened with, like, my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. Is that, like, once my sister passed away and then, like, even, even me being born just wasn't enough to, like keep them together it's hard it's hard it's a lot of emotional turmoil that you have to go through right so now denise and ralph split in 1994 and they actually both later remarried denise in 1998 to stuart fergus and she actually later had two more sons with him ralph remarried and has three daughters with his second wife so they both grew their families a little bit more in 2011 the year that james would have turned 21 Denise launched the James Bulger Memorial Trust. She said she had been dealing far too long with the death of her son, and she wanted to see something good come of it. 
After being inspired by Esther Ranson and Red Balloon Charity, she seeks to help benefit and support young victims of crime, hatred, or bullying. Her plans are to give rewards to those who have shown exemplary conduct in helping others. She actually provides free travel and holiday accommodations for children and families, and she created the James Volker House Charity, where you can actually nominate a deserving young person for a holiday at a beautiful, beautiful lodge near the Ruby Hall Village near Blackpool. Okay, ma'am. All in England. Now, I'll actually link the website in the show notes because they still do events and sponsors in James Volker's name. So she made something really awesome of it. I highly, highly suggest to go check out that website. It's pretty awesome. They they had something up whenever I looked at it about like skydiving. And they're like Couldn't be me. <laughs> so they like pay for these holidays and vacations for those families of, you know, victims of like bullying crime. They and you can nominate someone for this. Like you can go on there and say, Hey, this person's done a really awesome uh, deed. So here's why, and here's why they should get a vacation. Right. And it's paid for. That's so awesome. Yeah. Though, like, just rewarding good behavior mm-hmm. to promote more good behavior. Right. And I like that there's, like, an emphasis and a focus on, like, bullying and standing up to it. Right. And she, like I said, she even has, like, a house that you can go stay at over there. It's beautiful. I highly, highly recommend taking, like, a time to look at the pictures. It's it's incredible what Definitely. she did. Kudos to those parents. For sure. Well, how uh, how you feeling? No, it's definitely it's definitely um a intense case. Overwhelming. It's very, very awful because of how young everyone involved is. Right. So let me um I'm gonna come here with my verdict. And by verdict I mean come here, come clean. Kayla and I actually knew this case beforehand. I knew you did. <laughs> it's fine. You yeah. weren't shocked. Here we go again. No, I never I, get to shock you. No, like I was, well, I learned a lot. I learned, uh, first off, about the positive. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, it's it's overlooked a lot. So I got to see that. And I didn't know much. I mostly just knew about the crime. Yeah. And and specifically, like, once you said, like, the thing about the paint, mm-hmm. I immediately was like, I know this. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. Like, it's it's such a, a wild fucking case. But, yeah, you like, you taught me a lot. Like I said, outside of the crime, I didn't know much. So... I got to learn and kind of see what happened with, um, you know, the boys right. afterwards mm-hmm. and, and all that. So you definitely informed me of a lot. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate it. Good, good case. Good episode. Thank you. So, I mean, hard episode. Hard episode. But, but what the fuck is that? I really wish I could Are they drag every... racing think down so. the fucking street? Well, guys. I guess that is going to be it for us today. Make sure you do all the normal. Make sure you follow us on our social medias at Crime or Reason. And hit up our Gmail at Crime or Reason at gmail.com. Also, go check out our Patreon. Yes. We are so excited for you guys to um, hopefully participate. And we thank you, thank you, thank you so much for anything. We We are trying to roll out some awesome rewards for that it's it's gonna be a fun time the so, perks are great there's yeah. a lot of good perks there and mm-hmm. all of that content will be uploading starting on the first of october which is here soon don't forget to stick around for spooky season because it's about mm-hmm. to get fucking wild and uh, also make sure guys give us some reviews 
please show you know, some likes ratings reviews in there let us know how we're doing right a lot of you know a lot of times you get told i they always told us in theater that when we got to the end of each rehearsal and they would give us notes they always said no notes are the best notes however Kaylin and I are depressed millennials who need validation. So if you could please <laughs> let us know <laughs> how uh, we're doing or how we're not doing, we need we need to know just so that we can constantly be you bettering know, ourselves, yes, revolutionizing. Yeah. Ooh, I yeah. That. But just making everything better for you guys so that you guys enjoy being around us. That's what we want. We want you guys to enjoy listening to us. And uh, we thank you for listening to us. Yeah, and we you guys are awesome. Hope that you stay around because stuff's about to not be so intense in the next few episodes. Yeah. I think there's like one more intense one, right? Go, yeah, one more intense one, and then we're going into spooky season with some fun God, spooky so episodes. Fun. I can't fucking wait. We told you guys it was going to be rough, so yeah. until spooky season. So, so. but uh, other than that, just in the uh, meantime, come back and see us, and make sure that you stay safe, you stay healthy, and stay. Criminal. Criminal. Bye, guys. Bye.